We've called this Vision Sunday, and um, really uh, what I'm going to share is not necessarily new. I hope the impartation is new, but the content really probably won't be new, but it will be new, if that makes sense. We've been on this journey for three and a half years, and we've been speaking this message for three and a half years, and as I prayed this morning, my hope is that we can hear what is being spoken. Uh, This is just one environment that that we come into where God will speak to us through directly from spirit to spirit or through man to us, but we are to be hearing and seeing 24-7. We're to be posturing ourselves, placing ourselves intentionally in discipleship environments with Him, with the Spirit, with one another. And so really this what I'm sharing today started three and a half years ago, and as you heard, it started with my own dismantling. Um, but God is building a new wineskin, because the Bible says that you can't pour new wine into an old wineskin. Have a guess who the skins are? We are. So we are the wineskin that he's building, because he said, I will build my church. I will build people. See, we are the skin. So it's very hard to receive the new wine if the skin isn't being birthed and built to be received. Fresh revelation, mana from heaven, fresh mana was delivered every day. Do I have a wine skin to be able to receive the fresh mana from heaven? We are the wine skin. But the Bible says that the people say, but the old wine is good enough. I don't really want my lawn to be plowed because I like my lawn. It's good enough. My lawn has served me well over the years. I've got produce out of the lawn. I've eaten tomatoes. I've eaten beetroot. I've eaten good-sized potatoes. That's all good. But you know, I have new potatoes and new wine and new spuds and new carrots. And so there must be a letting go. But God, the old was good enough. But it just wasn't God enough. And so we are the wineskin. See, so much of what the church has been defined by is what she does, not who she is. We're defined by doing. This is what you do when you become a follower of Jesus. Here's the list. Dunk, 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 dunk. But all that doing comes from a place of being built as a living stone within you. You're becoming the church. You're becoming her. Yes? And as you become her, you know what happens? You start doing certain things. But so much of the church today is just defined by activity. And you have all these people going out and doing things that haven't been built within. And so they go to share about the Jesus that they know, but they find they don't really know him that well. Or they've read a book about him. Or they have theologically technical knowledge about him, but you know what? Nothing's released because it's not living in them. He's not in them to a measure that it's authentic and real, and it becomes a lifestyle of sharing him. Not just when someone gives you a tract and says, look, go down there and share that, or when someone asks you to invite someone to a party. It's 24-7. It's authentic. It's organic. It's who we are. That's what God is building here. The people who he is building are authentic followers who are anchored and built firstly on the love of the Father because they know the Father. 
They know the sun because they have been revealed that to a measure more and more and more as we grow. He is building new wineskin to pour in greater knowledge, revelation of who he is and his purposes. Because the Bible says in Colossians that all hidden treasures and wisdom are contained in the Christ. So who knows everything there is to know about God and his purposes here today? Anybody? That's good. That's biblical. It's a good, solid biblical answer right there. So you know what? If we want to discover more about who he is and his purposes, we need to get to know him, don't we? Intimately. And so when he comes in a measure that we're not contained, built for, what happens? When he comes to us and he's got a greater measure himself that we can't receive because I don't get that. I don't know. I can't see that. See, there needs to be a building up of a new wineskin to receive what he's coming with and who he's coming, a greater reality of who Christ is, his truth. This thing screams of him. He's been screaming to us, through us, for three and a half years about becoming something, becoming his, where you are completely abandoned to him. And on that journey... So from three and a half years ago, can we say, Greg, I have changed. I have come into a greater reality of God, and that is creating such a change in me that I'm laying my life down more, I'm loving more, I'm serving more, I have a heart of humility more, there's more love, grace, mercy coming out of me, I've got a passion for the things of God that I never had before. That's the reality of truth that sets you free, that he wants to bring you and me into on a consistent basis, not once in a lifetime, on a whole journey of life. To taste and see that he is good is to experience the goodness of God, the reality of God, that you could bring testimony to that. That's what we've been speaking for three and a half years. And the challenge is, have we ever heard what I've just said? Am I experiencing, am I feasting on what I'm hearing and eating it to the measure that I'm changing? It's a simple question, but it will cost you a lot. This is the vision of this house, to create a people of oneness with the Father and the Son and one another. That we would be found in Him and Him in us. That we are letting go of the desires that we have and grabbing hold of His that our focus and our dreams that are defined by us and not him are being buried in the, in the water, deep down in the ocean, and are staying there. And I hear the call, maybe for the first time, come, follow me. And I say, yes, Lord, where are we going? Well, firstly, I want you to be part of a body, one body on the earth that are one with me and the Father. And this body will lay its life down for me. And it's outside of individualism. It's outside of you and God. It's you and me and my son and the body of Christ. So get connected into a body and make sure you turn up regularly. Make sure you're part of it. Make sure you're investing into it. Make sure you're giving your life to it because that's the purpose. That's the ultimate and how I've started it. And that's how I've created it to be in a body. You have a gift that builds a body, not an individual ministry. You have a gift that must be connected in. Otherwise, the arm without a body without an arm cannot operate. People without limbs are amazing, aren't they? You know, people who don't have arms somehow can actually get their foot to scratch their back of the head. I saw a man do that. But do you think the person would really want, maybe want an arm? 
Do you think they'd really want, you know, do you think they'd, I don't know. But, you see, a body that hasn't got its bits is dysfunctional. It has to limp along. God is calling us to be one as a body first. So you have to lose your individual individualism. You have to lose your independentness. You have to lose all that thinking. It's never about me. But what about me? That doesn't even exist in the kingdom. It's not even a statement in the kingdom, but it's in us. It's in the church. What about you? Really, what about you and me? Who? So what about him? As you find him, then you get defined. Then you find life. Then you find your will. Then you find purpose. Then you find meaning. Then you find joy and peace and righteousness. You have a joy and a peace in your life that's just so profound. It goes beyond anything on the world. It goes beyond circumstance and situation. We buried Selena this week. But the joy and the peace, even though I wept tears in my heart, was incredible. Why? Because I know what she's gone. I know what she was living for. I know the type of woman she was. A saint. The Bible says we're called to be saints. And it's the saints that are going to rule the earth. When? In the future. His kingdom is to be in us now in a spiritual dimension, being transformed, waiting for the reality of when he comes back in the physical. And do you want to be part of it? Or you sleep to it? Are we asleep to the reality that is contained within these scriptures? Do we have eyes and ears to see and hear and to submit to the design that God has given us through a giftings and, a, and, and we've all got gifts, but we will submit to his process or will we fight it? Because we're still looking for I. Where's my position? You don't have one, but you have a place. Every one of us has a place, but no, positions, what did John say? Don't label me. I'm not the prophet. I'm not Elijah. I'm just a guy in the wilderness, but I have a voice. God's building voices here of oneness, of voice. But we look for position and title because we think that gives us honor. We think that makes our mark. We think if I arrive at senior pastor or senior worship leader or senior whatever, I've somehow arrived you know what, Jesus, the, the, the people who listened to his teaching said, he teaches as one who has real authority. The scribes who have all the knowledge and all, the, they got nothing. Oneness with him. Abandonment to self and all those things. Look, I'm not saying that's easy, but that's the core. But he gives us his spirit. He gives us his word. He gives us one another to live it out. And then he waits and he says, will you come? I look for wholehearted people. Those are the people I will support. We have to live this life that reflects Jesus in every way, in our thinking, in our hearing, in our speech, and in our action. So a world knows that he was sent. I pray that my people would be one. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. It's essential that we understand it's talking about sight. 
See, it's not talking about words on the page. It's not talking about a mission statement. He's talking about himself. Without prophetic revelation of me, my people will perish. They will wander. Without the knowledge of me, the real knowledge, you know what you do? You focus on yourself. You see, I'm not big enough in you, and so what's in you, you focus on. The greater the revelation of God, the greater the revelation you can let go of self. Because it's so amazing. He's so beautiful. His love, you taste his love, you'll run to it. You'll let go of you and run into his arms. Why? Because his love is so dynamic. It's so profound. It's so, I can't even, there's not words to describe how amazing this love is when you taste it, when he reveals himself, not to you, in you. It's like, imagine the greatest meal you've had and multiply it by a million. doesn't even come close to how, t- how good his love tastes. And so, when my people don't have a prophetic revelation of me, revelation, continuous revelation of me, you know what they do? They wander. The shepherd, the sheep hear his voice. They wander. Maybe I'll find meaning over here. Maybe I'll find it in this person or these children. Maybe I'll find it in a career. I know, I'll find it in sport. No, I'll find it in the gifts. That's where I'll do it. I'll find it in ministry. That's where I'm going to find my purpose. No way. I'll find it in healing. I'll find it in everything else but Christ where all that stuff comes from. No, on a prophetic revelation of Jesus, I find life. I find the maker. I find the creator. And he's in me. And that then flows out of me. And the kingdom of God is within us. And it says the kingdom of God is joy, peace, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Well, where's the Holy Spirit? He's in our hearts. So the greater you find the spirit of God, Jesus, the revelation, the greater you'll flow in the kingdom. Because the kingdom is an internal, invisible transformation of you and me. Who's he bold building? Us. Living stones. So the vision of this church, of this house, it's the vision of the body of Christ, is to build people who know him. And out of that knowing will float everything else. You want to lay your life down? You want to, you want to have more of him? Get to know him. Do this today. Be humble enough to do this. God, I may not even know you. And I'm admitting that today. I may think I do. And I may have been told a lot about you. But if I'm being really honest, is it here? And is it changing me? Because that's, that's the key. If it's not changing you, you don't know him, okay? I'm going to say this, and I say it in love, but if you're not changing, you don't know him. You know about him. You have an intellectual knowledge, but you do not know him. And I say that out of love from my heart to yours to help you come into a reality that's for you. I realize I can get my head shot off for saying that. It's not the most popular thing you say to a whole lot of Christians if they think they know him. The only way we know him is he reveals himself to us. The only way. If he reveals himself, not through man, from he can reveal it what I'm saying, but not I can't come to you and I cannot give you my revelation. That's why the brides could not give the other five brides the Holy Spirit. They're not being mean. They're not going, no, 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 no. What they're saying is, I can't give you this. You have to go find it for yourself. 
You have to seek him and find the pearl and then sell everything you have and then buy it. No one can give you anything else, only the Holy Spirit. So he must reveal himself. Otherwise, no change. Real change. I can play it, can't we? I can look like it. We don't have to create, imagine, or dream up new ideas. We have to be able to see what's already there and allow this to shape our future. Tozer wrote this in his book, The Pursuit of God. Imagination and faith stand in sharp opposition to one another. Imagination projects unreal images out of the mind and seeks to attach reality to them. Faith creates nothing. It simply reckons upon that which is already there. We've pumped imagination, imagination, imagination. And you attach yourself to something that's not real, but you attach yourself to it, and then you go down this way. And meanwhile, what's contained in his living scriptures is gold and life that will set you free. And yet somehow we chase these other things and we never come into them. But somehow we just keep ignoring what's there and we go, no, I'm going to come into, oh, okay, that wasn't the one. Let me dream up another imagination. Give me another dream. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't give dreams. But you know what? Dreams lead to him, leads to transformation, leads to life. Not individual dreams that lead you Oh, you know, I had a dream. See you later, body of Christ. I'm now on my own. Don't need to be part of a church community to be a Christian. You ever said that? That is not kingdom language. When you understand that you are dysfunctional, if you are not in a body, how would you ever say those words when you are designed to be in one? Ridiculous. Unrenewed thinking leads dysfunctional church. People I'm talking about. Okay, that's me. Um, I don't know how long. I've gone longer than what I thought. said a whole lot of stuff I wasn't going to say. I didn't hear that. Um, what we're going to do now is just, just quickly um, run through um, what we've called cups. Okay? So I don't want you focusing on the cup. Okay? You were all given a cup. Today. So, our purpose, knowing Him, loving others, walking together, which creates a community of oneness. Okay? How, how are we going to see that outplayed itself? How does that become a reality? Because you can't just say it and then go, oh great, it'll just happen. We'll just let it happen. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit, number one. So the Holy Spirit has to do the work. But God asks us and has asked us and put in our, our minds to create what we're calling cups. You might call them an environment, call them a vehicle, but today we're calling it a cup. Okay? And so you create a cup, but you don't focus on the cup. You focus on the living water that gets poured into the cup so you can have a drink. Because trying to have a drink without a cup would be rather messy. Yeah? And you'd be running around trying to suck it up. So... We need cups, but the point aren't the cups. The point is the living water that's inside the cup, which represents the Holy Spirit. So God has asked us to create a certain number of cups here to help us achieve 
our purpose of knowing him, loving others, walking together, where we become one. Does that make sense so far? Okay. We've given you a disposable cup today, so at the end of today, at the end of today, because you're going to put water in it, you can crush it, because hopefully, as soon as you have the life that's in the cup, the cup becomes obsolete. You don't need the cup anymore because you're in the living reality of the truth that's in the cup. Make sense? To taste coffee, I need a cup to be able to taste it. Otherwise, I'm telling don't get any coffee. To taste and see God. So God has asked us to create intentional cups, which then we invite ourselves, sorry, He invites us for we to place ourselves in those environments. Doesn't mean because you turn up, anything's going to happen, but you've got to be there for it to happen. Lily started school this week. If she doesn't go to school, guess what's going to happen? She's going to get left behind. She can't say, oh, well, no, I'll just sit here and do my own thing, mum and dad. I'm not talking about, you know, teaching your kids at home. I'm just talking about she stays at home and we do nothing. We go to work and she stays at home. She has to intentionally place herself at the moment we do in the environment so the living water can be poured out. So I'm going to ask Clay to come and just share. There we go. Good morning, everyone. Right, I'm going to talk about a couple of cups, but mostly I wanted just to give you a bit more context uh, on uh, on the why for uh, a lot of the cups that we've been offering. Uh, and this is to speak a little bit more to uh, knowing him, a significant part of the purpose that God has called us to. So God, as I'm sure you've heard, I don't know how many times now, is calling us to know him. But knowing him is not the same as knowing the scriptures. Now, that was quite a surprise to me. You see, I thought I knew God because I thought I knew a bit of scripture. Speaking to the Jewish religious leaders, those who would consider themselves to be experts on the Bible, those who could recite large tracts, if not all of the scriptures, Jesus said, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. But yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So yeah, the religious leaders could recite scripture from memory, but that did not lead them to true knowledge of God. And they couldn't recognize him even when he was standing right in front of them. Knowing God, I have come to understand, is not the same as moving in his power and being active in ministry. When teaching on the nature of a true disciple in Matthew 7, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. What Jesus' words would imply for us today is that there are many people in the church running around doing all kinds of wonderful things in his name, performing miracles spreading the gospel, running ministries, 
planting churches and serving in all kinds of ways. But Jesus says that is all irrelevant. He doesn't know them. How could that be? How could the omniscient creator of the universe not know something? How could he not know his own children? 1 Corinthians 8.3 says, Whoever loves God is known by God. And in 1 John 4.7-8, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. When Jesus is talking about knowing us, he is talking about being in a loving relationship with us. To a Hebrew, knowing your husband or wife doesn't mean knowing their birthday or their favorite kind of hummus. Knowing, knowing them actually meant you had experienced them intimately. It actually meant, when they used it in the vernacular, it meant that they'd had sexual relations. Genesis 4, verse 1 in the King James. Check it out. Our relationship with God is obviously not sexual, but there is the potential for it to be even more intimate than that. And this is what it means to know God, to be known by Him, that we would be in an intimate relationship with Him. The Apostle Paul had a lot to say and a lot to pray about this, about the church growing in a knowledge of God. Ephesians 1.17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Uh, Colossians 1.9-10, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. And finally, Ephesians chapter 4, 11, 13, something that we've preached a lot on over the last year. Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip His people for good works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Knowing him. This was not, though, a, a new teaching of Paul. It is as ancient as faith in God. In Psalm 46.10, the prophetic word was God saying, be still and know that I am God. And those that knew him best knew him as a friend. As God spoke of Moses in Exodus 33.11 and Abraham in Isaiah 41.8. They knew him intimately. So God is reminding us here at the rock and calling us into a growing knowledge of him that is found in an intimate and deepening relationship. The knowledge of God will be received by direct revelation. 
God speaks to you. He speaks to you all the time. It will be received by prophetic word of anointed brothers and sisters around you. You'll receive a deepening knowledge as you come to understand the scriptures more, as you spend time seeking him in them. And through accurate and timely teaching as the spirit moves through others, but also through your experience of walking with him daily and with walking with others who know him and are growing in him. To this end, we have been led to create a number of discipleship environments that will stimulate and nurture a relational knowledge of God. These environments are light cups that God can pour himself into so that we can drink. Some of these cups are very disposable and they have a short shelf life. They serve their purpose and then we throw them away. Not being religious about the cup. The cup is only there to serve the purpose of God. Once that season is done, we can discard it and seek him in the new cup that he gives us. Some cups are less disposable than others. We're probably not in a hurry to do away with Sunday morning services. And God has said that we should not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But the kind of cups that I, this, I want just to mention quickly now are those that are particularly intentional about helping us to know him. Things such as Ignite, Furnace, Life Groups and Fight, DDT groups, discipleship groups, mountain movers, and of course our Sunday services. But it's not just enough to turn up to a Sunday service or to turn up to a prayer meeting or a life group. We need to engage in real relationships, in challenging conversations. We need to contend for truth together. Do you know how a, how a knife or a, or a sword is sharpened? It is rubbed against an abrasive stone. Discipleship is not always a comfortable process. I certainly have rough edges that need to be worn off me. We need to approach each other humbly so that we can learn from each other, receive ministry, support, and revelation from each other. Otherwise, we limit how God can speak to us and how he can minister to us, even missing it altogether. We need to put ourselves in environments where we can be edified by all the gifts of the Spirit and so receive all the revelation, instruction, and impartation that God has for us. And this is why we are constantly urging you to keep gathering with us on Sundays and for prayer and to commit to a small group of people in a life group or a discipleship group and why we've been investing so much time, energy, and resource Developing discipleship services like Ignite and Furnace, a deeper program we'll be looking to launch next month. These environments are built around the presence of God in which we contend for truth together and disciple each other with the power of all the spiritual gifts so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature and attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, just as the Scriptures urged us. It is our intention and our hope that in these environments we will meet our God and we will get to know Him and each other on a deeper level. 
That is his will, and it always has been. There is nothing new here today. For as Jesus prayed in John 17, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. That is what it means to know God. So let us allow him now to fulfill that prayer, committing anew to pursuing him through all the opportunities that he is providing for us here seeking a knowledge that will not puff us up with religious pride, but will truly and eternally transform our lives. How's that sound? As our friends Ollie and Mike did through the Ignite Discipleship Services that we ran last year, here's some thoughts from Ollie and Mike on their experiences in our Ignite Discipleship environment. Can we have a video, please? And um, I just want to tell you why Ignite was uh, good for me. Um, firstly, I really enjoyed working with a bunch of people. Some I knew, some I didn't know so well, and just really enjoyed discussing important things like the Lord uh, with them and just building new relationships with people. The challenge of facilitating a group I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed being part of praying for others. Um, to receive more transformation from God and I found uh, people praying for me really awesome. It really was one of the factors um, throughout last year in changing me uh, to build more passion for God, to seek his face more and there was a number of nights where I felt the presence of God, I felt really encouraged by him and the words that people had to say. It helped me realize that uh, it's really about, all about him and less about me. Um, so it's really helped me strive less in things that I do and get out of the way. And also just trust in God and uh, believe in his timing. So that's why I'm sharing today to glorify his name. Hey guys, uh, I'm Mike. So Clay just asked me to um, speak about Ignite and what that... Um how that helped me in my relationship with God and how I saw that being outworked. And I think one of the main ways for me is, you know, this idea of knowing him, loving others, and walking together. Walking together can be kind of a hard thing to do as a church. You know, we come and we sit next to each other and we do that awkward say hi to someone next to you. And then after that, it's kind of like say goodbye. And I think with things like with Ignite, I don't know if, if you weren't part of it, what happened is we sat around tables, we ate a meal together, and we listened to 10 or 15 minutes of someone preaching and then we discussed it immediately. And what that meant is there was engagement. Engagement with the content, because as soon as you've just heard something, then you get asked a question. You kind of can't say, oh, I don't know. You know, like, because you just listen to it. So what do you think? You have to have thought something, even if, even if it's on board. You know, you, you were there. You were there. So you had to, you know, you had to say something. But the other thing is sharing a meal and simply just being with people that maybe you wouldn't sit with. Um, and actually around that table, it's a way of actually engaging. And that's how walking together can actually start to grow. That's how knowing him can start to happen. And that's how we can learn to love others. So as Greg and as Clay has said, 
it's not the point is to not, it's to not, the point is not to sit around a table. The point is actually to know him, to love others, and to walk together. And Furnace and Ignite is just one of those ways. And it's also cool to see Sunday night services has taken on that sort of same approach. So afterwards, we get around a table sometimes, and we discuss. And again, it's just a way of enacting and enabling knowing him, loving others, and walking together. Thanks, Mike. I'm just going to invite um, Paul Costello. Come, Paul's an elder here, if you don't know that. He's one of the five elders that we have, so he's going to just share a bit. But tough to follow those two guys, so effectively what Greg and Clay said, but pray. <laughs> um, you know, just there's a couple of um, scriptures that have just been mulling over through this, and it's in Acts uh, uh, Acts chapter 2, just the first few verses. It's Romans 8, first chunk of Romans 8. I'd encourage you to write these down and have a look at them. So Acts chapter 2, Romans verse 8, first half of it, and Ephesians 4. In Acts chapter 2, it talks about the fact that they, uh, the disciples came together and they were devoted to. Not kind of, well, oh, it was a good idea, we'll just, you know, no rugby on that weekend, so we'll come along. There was a sense, there was a, an act of participation to it. They were devoted to it. And one of the key, um, if you want to call them pillars, or however you want to put that in, is prayer. Okay, so it was part of those, there were four things, and prayer is one of them. And uh, just sort of thinking through the week, you know, this was something that Jesus, he, he modelled, he taught, he led, he encouraged and I guess he instructed and then expected his disciples to do the same. And so there's an expectation of us that actually hmm, prayer is kind of important. One of the most awkward things when people preach, and I'm, I fall into it myself, is I ask a rhetorical question and you wonder, hmm, are, they, are they asking for a response or not? I don't know. But who understands, who accepts that we are in a battle? We are. Whether we realize it or not, when you set your heart into the Lord, you enter into a battle. There is an enemy who's, who seeks to rob, steal, kill, and destroy you. The very thing that God wants to bring in life and life and abundance is his spirit life in you. The peace he brings to you, the enemy wants to steal that away. You know, the, the, one of the worst things that happens, and Scripture says that they uh, took the created and they exchanged the creator for the created. Start to worship that. These environments, these cups that we're talking about, things like the prayer meetings, mountain movers, their environments, the worst thing that can happen is we turn around and we start to worship that. It's not what he wants. Now, what makes the gift holy? The gift sitting on the altar or the altar that, make, that the gift is sitting on? What makes mountain movers powerful and important is the fact that it's a, you know, a prayer meeting or is it the Spirit of God that's in it that is leading us you know, his, his heart's desire, you know, it's, that, it's this word yada, intimate relationship with him. He said, depart from me because I didn't know you. Not you. <laughs> I'll point out there. <laughs> There's no one sitting there. I didn't know you. You might have tried to know me, but you didn't let me know you. Let's place ourselves in, in places where we get to know him and allow him to know us. It's individual prayer, it's corporate prayer. Do you know how unity, how well unity is working? How how strong oneness is actually happening? 
place ourselves in places where there's more than one person. And it's a good opportunity in mountain movers to come together. I mean, who's heard the, you know, we say often that, you know, prayer moves the hand of God. I actually think that's quite right. I think his heart's desire is to be in me that I might do the Father's will. I don't do anything unless the Father tells me. So when I hear what the Father is saying and I pray his heart, I'm praying alignment with his moving hand. Here's an opportunity for us to gather together. It says that whenever two or more are just perhaps in the same room together, then I'm there. I don't think that's what it's saying. It says, when two or more gather together, come together, or in one heart, Ephesians talks about one heart, one spirit, one Lord, when there's that oneness, that we're in the Father's heart, praying his will, that he's there in a special way. That we're giving voice to his desires. And I'll tell you what, the times that I've been at Mountain Movers and the the pre-service prayers, there's a battle that goes on that says it doesn't matter. It's all right. You don't have to be there. Oh, I don't have to be there. But it's a bit like church, C-H-C-H. What's missing? You are. And you miss out on the blessing. And you miss out on what he is wanting to do through you. The very gift that you are to that meeting, to that gathering. The very gift that his spirit has placed in you that wants to bring that out. He just can't because you're not there. That's not meant to be a heavy. God's not going to fall off his throne. But his heart's desire is that you're in his heart where he wants, where he's moving. And I'm in that place. I want to find him. I've got to fight that battle and still turn up as well and still engage and still be part of this. But there are times that I've done that when I've given my heart to him and seen his heart move. It's phenomenal. So I encourage us all. It's opportunities. There are cups. Let's move into them. Thanks, Paul. Um, as you know, knowing him is just one aspect of this purpose. Um, so we're going to have a look at some of the things that we've done as a community of loving others. Um, but really knowing him, the reason it's first is because out of that posture, loving others just becomes a natural overflow. Um, and so we're going to have a, just a, a snippet um, of the carols by candlelight of what we did in Johnsonville. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Mr. Southern. Are you ready to sing a little uh, Jingle Bells? Yes. Okay. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. Over the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on bobtails ring. Making spirits bright, what fun it is to ride and sing a slave song tonight.
dashing through the snow. We are dashing in a one horse open sleigh. One horse sleigh. Over the fields we go. What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight. Come on, ladies. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one horse open open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one horse open The, um, that was an amazing day. We had about 1,500 to 2,000 people of the community come out. And what you heard there, the singing, was what it sounded like on the night. So what you heard was our guys singing. That's how professional it was and how professional the whole thing was, just our way of reaching out. Um, I'm going to invite um, Sina to come forward. Um, she's still working. Look, she's out there even working. And uh, Sina's going to share with us one of the ways in which we love one another, because loving others isn't just about loving people outside of the community, it's loving people with inside the community. And Sina's been here for a while now, um, and she heads up the hospitality ministry. And one of the ways is to serve one another. And so I've asked her to speak about that. I'm a little bit nervous. So I was just thinking... Uh, um, 12 rounds in a boxing ring is probably a little bit easier than probably speaking to you all this morning. But um, um, my name is Sina, and I'm part of the hospitality ministry. Um, some of you might recognize me as the, um, uh, the rock, uh, unofficial rock car park attendant um, slash um, the traffic controller, you know, park away from the cones, not between the cones. Yeah. Uh, but um, most of you recognize me um, as I'm part of a family team that um, greets you at the doors, um, that greets you with a new person's pack, but, um, and also greets you um, in the cafe. Um, but um, why do I serve? Um, I want to humbly um, appeal and ask um, for your grace when I say these words, I am not here to serve you. I am and I will till the day I meet my Heavenly Father, I'm here to serve him first. And to be honest as well too, I haven't always operated out of this heart posture. Um, and I say this because I've, I've lived it. And personally, 
there are two heart postures to operate out of. There's one of a servant and one of a slave. About three years ago, God had really convicted me with this, heart, with this matter. Um, actually, it was more like a bit of a punch. Um, <laughs> um, if you know me well, I don't go down that easily too. So I really went, I was on my knees. I was on my knees on this one. Um, and I thank God for it. <laughs> um, I know what a heart posture of a slave looks like. And I know what it sounds like. And I probably even ate like one, to be honest. Um, um, I know this because I lived most of my life as a slave um, when I was a non-Christian. But what upset me the most was I couldn't believe that I was still living with this heart posture when I became Christian. And I remember thinking, man, how could you be so dis- disrespectful? How could you be so disrespectful? And from that day on, um, uh, transformation, transformation of this foolish heart um, took place. And, um, and I realized I am not a slave. You are not slaves. I serve God because it's an honor and a privilege to serve him. And I pray, I pray with all my heart that every servant heart that is filled with the Father's Spirit in this room um, will reflect and um, demonstrate the same heart um, and serve you with honor and privilege as well. Okay, I better get on that. Thank you. Need to get that girl preaching. Rodney, Rodney Blythe, come and share, mate, about how the kids are loving others. Let's welcome Rodney as he comes. He's been at the sevens. <laughs> part of my costume. and No, it wasn't part of my costume. Um, I don't know why I've got the hand. It's kind of just a comfort blanket, really. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the guy that goes, give me a four. So I'm, for those that don't know me, I'm Rodney. I'm part of the group that disciples all the kids here at The Rock. And um, part of... Um, the loving others that Rock Kids does is have a go, where we head out into the community of Petoni and we just love on the Petoni families that come in. And so I've done a video so that I don't have to talk as much. So this is just what we do, a little bit of what we do in Petoni.
long has that been going for now? How long have we reached out to the Tonys? A couple of years? Three or four years. There you go. Time's flying. Um, as hopefully we'll know, uh, I just want to also show you a clip about Cambodia because part of loving others is not just our city. It, it's, it's not even just this nation. It's the other nations and, and building relationally with other people. And so we've been going to Cambodia now for the last four years. Um, and so I just want to show you some of the, the work that is going on there. Um, here again, Sinai's heart. Um, and all these things we're seeing, we can all be involved into some measure, um, even if it's through prayer. You know, there's something that you say, well, you know, I haven't got the time to, to maybe commit to doing it, have a go. I can pray for what's happening, can't we? And so if we can show the clip at Cambodia, that'd be cool. So I grew up in uh, northern of Cambodia at the uh, Thai border. There are so many uh, thousands of landmines in that area. So when I grew up, then uh, really uh, uh, bombings between Vietnam War and Cambodia War. So from that time, I tried to escape from village to other village. So in 1990, escaped to the refugee camp. Because I heard so much about refugee camp. The purpose that I escaped because I don't want to live uh, in this country anymore. Because see a lot of killing, a lot of suffering, that people die of thirsty and hungry. This refugee camp surrounded by the landmine area. So um, I really lived in a refugee camp about two years. And then I, I got saved in a refugee camp. And I live as an orphan. So one guy is uh, from one organization that really shared with me about the hope of Jesus Christ, which I say to me to believe in Jesus Christ that betray my parents, betray my culture, and betray uh, whatever that they practice in the country. When I attended the small church in a refugee camp, that really message really touched my heart, impact my life. So from that day, I give my life to Jesus. That really start a new life, that, 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 that something like the joy of the Lord and the love of the Lord, the hope of the Lord really flow into my life. So in 1993, the Lord really spoke to me about this ministry so that I, I just start a small orphanage, my children, five children at first, because such a thing that we would like to give them a new hope in their life because nobody willing to take care of them. So the Lord really put the burden in my heart to have this children ministry. So that really blessing to this nation. We have a great vision. We want to reach, our goal want to reach to 1,000 children to take care of this 1,000. But the reason, as the God provides, so we don't have enough fund to operate. We have uh, most of our children home, we got big building, but because they limit the uh, funding resources, we could not extend much more.
I meet myself. Phenomenal work going on over there in that nation. And um, this coming weekend, um, Danny and I are off to Fiji. Um, there's an opportunity that's opened up there. So I just ask you to pray for us that God will speak. Uh, we're not sort of, we just heard go. We've been invited to go. And so we don't know quite what's going to happen when we get there. And so if you just pray for us that um, that God will speak and we'll know why we're going. Um, so, you know, you hear his voice and you just obey. Um, just the last part of, of our purpose, knowing him, loving others, and walking together. So I want to invite Simon uh, to come forward and uh, just share um, what God's put on his heart and just to hear from a couple of other people as well. Morning, family. Good to see you. Hey, um, my passion and uh, desire is to see all of us uh, in this community be committed to walking uh, with others in a life group in 2014. You've heard so much about uh, the times that we're in, the urgency of what we're uh, experiencing right now. And um, I don't want time uh, to be an issue for us to not uh, get involved in, uh, in a discipleship environment. It's so crucial that we're uh, in this environment that Jesus modeled with 12 other people uh, from all walks and backgrounds uh, and through his teaching, through his edifying and through um, rebuke, transformation was birthed. And um, the goal of walking with others is to be on the process of growing spiritually into the full maturity of his bride and to experience the abundance of of life that Christ has for us now, as well as what he has prepared for us in eternity. So we have an incredible group of, of leaders, incredible group of people throughout the Wellington region um, who have groups that meet throughout the week, Monday to Thursday, and also some that meet on the weekends, um, many of whom are encountering God on a deeper level because uh, they're walking with others. And so I wanted you to, to hear testimony this morning of that life, the, the water that is going into these cups. Um, so if I can invite Jane and, uh, and Krista to come up, and, um, and they're just going to be describing as to why it has been so important to walk with others, and also what it is that uh, is the transformation and the change that comes from being in these uh, environments. So Chris, can I get you to talk about the, the transformation and the change that you've experienced? Cool. Um, for me, it really comes down to um, love. You know, Jesus said that um, the second commandment is really similar to the first commandment. Um, and in James, James says, how can you love God that you can't see? And, no, how can you, yeah, and not love your brother that you can see? And so... It's, it's where the rubber hits the road. It's an opportunity to grow in the love of Christ. And it's also an opportunity to receive the love of Christ. Because if I'm intentional about walking with Christ and letting that love outwork through me and others are doing the same, then I'm not only giving that love, I'm receiving that love. Um, we also heard today how there, there was a couple of mentions of the scripture, um, depart from me, I never knew you, you know, where on the day there's the danger of standing before him. And one of the things that I really think about is that if we're intentional about Christ and we are known by his, by those that are his, then there is no danger of not being known by him. So, 
Jane, what, what, what is it that you've seen as, as to the reason that it's so important to be uh, walking together with others? Sorry, guys, I'm sitting a bit messed up today, which I think is probably what it's all about, I, I guess. But, yeah, oh, I just, when Simon asked me to talk about this, I just the first thing that came to me was, well, why, why should I have anything to say that would be of value to you guys? And, and I just have to say that I'm only leading a life group because of his grace and his love and that he can take, you know, people like me and actually just put them in these, you know, and then he's um, op, you know, given, give us these opportunities. So, yeah. Um, and so I just went to him and just said, oh, God, what if I have something to say, what is it? And he just instantly gave me this picture. So I'll share that. So I don't know if this is answering Simon's question. <laughs> but, um, but the picture was, was a piece of fabric. And, um, and the, when you look at a piece of fabric, the pieces of... Um, thread uh, very tightly woven together but around the edges of the fabric they they're still part of the fabric but they're coming away that they they could easily disconnect from that fabric they're still part of it but they're kind of loose and I guess for me um, the fruit that I've received from being part of a life group is being knitted in as part of a group the depth of relationship that you get from being part of that group and it's understanding more about when, you, when you're part of it, when you have that relationship with each other and with him and you come together with him as your purpose um, that you start to understand what it is to be part of his, his family and part of this body. So we're to be knitted together um, in small groups but to be knitted together as a whole body. So um, hopefully that spoke to someone. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just um, just thank you for all you guys. It's just I, I've just learnt so much in this past year about what family really means, and um, it's through being part of the, our life group and, and part of this family. Thanks, Jane. That's so good. So we're going to keep promoting. We're going to keep um, putting out uh, life groups um, this year, and uh, you can meet uh, up with me after this service. Um, and I'll have uh, further information of the different groups that you can get connected in with. Thanks, everyone. Um, what I'm going to ask us to do now is I'm going to ask the musicians just to just play behind us, and I'm going to invite the elders um, to come forward, and we're going to pray and declare and set in um, what you've heard today and just believe for, and um, it's a privilege to be walking with these four other people um, personally for me um, the eldership that is now in place here is I hope this comes out right but personally it's the best eldership that I've been a part of certainly relationally it's the tightest and the love that we have for one another is the tightest and how we're carrying one another um, and I feel not on my own um, if I can say that where I have before and so I just want to honour you guys and let you know how much I love you and appreciate you all uh, for carrying Danielle and I um, so um, I invite you to yeah um, invite us to stand and we're going to pray and, and 
If it resounds with you what we pray, I'd ask you to agree with us. If not, that's fine. But what I, I guess I don't want is just, oh yeah, cool, pray. So I'm calling, and we're calling for what we've heard today to be our reality, not just be something that's left in the atmosphere, in the air somewhere, but something that we become and that we actually step out and into. So Lord, I thank you, Father, for your church. I thank you for her in the city, in the nation, and in the nations. I thank you that your church is made up of people from different countries, different color, different ethnicity, different cultures. But Lord, what we have in common is you. And as we all keep our eyes on you, those things dissipate and we become and enter into the one culture, which is kingdom culture, which is the heart of Christ, the heart of your son, the mind of your son, the words of your son, and the actions that your son Father, today we've declared some things. We'll be declaring more things as we go forward. And I pray, God, that Holy Spirit, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to lead us into all truth. I ask you to, to guide us and to nurture us and nudge us into all truth. I thank you, Father, we can trust in you with our lives. We literally can give you our lives. We don't have to fear anything. And so, Lord, we want to acknowledge today what you've started, what you're continuing, and what you'll continue to do in building a healthy people, a healthy church, mature followers, disciples, who wherever they go, release life. So I pray for an overflow. I pray for, as Paul prayed in Ephesians, that the eyes of the heart, Lord, would come into a revelation of the knowing of Jesus. I pray that our words would match his words, that we could say, compared to Compared to knowing you, this life I've had is just a load of rubbish compared to the intimacy I now share, the knowledge that sits within me. And so, Lord, we commit today. You're calling forth your bride. You're calling forth your church. You're calling to her to be found in you, be found in your living reality. year ahead of us and we've taken a moment to set ourselves aside to consider it and to reflect on it and to ask you about it and so father have your way with us this year have your way with us this year even in the uncertainty and the confusion and at times not even seeing where our next step goes father have your way with us this year thank you father thank you that we can rely on you that our feet are standing on you 
that you are in us and amongst us, that you are reviving us and calling us forward, Father, calling us forward, forward in boldness and boldness and hope for the joy that you've set before us, Father, that this year would be a, a year of, of faith and of joy, Lord, and of joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Lord would say to us today to awake, awaken my people, awaken my family, awaken my bride. Cast off the slumber, throw off the duvet, put your feet on the ground. Get out of the place of comfort and stand in the place that I have for you because it's a place of boldness and of victory and of life and of love. Lift your eyes to the hills, I'm coming. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Jesus, for the arms that you put around me. Father, I thank you that you are calling us. You are calling us and drawing us to yourself. And Father, I pray for courage in this place. Courage to actually step up, step out. I pray, Father God, that Lord God, there would be such a desire and a oneness. That Father, people would be desiring you. Because Father, whenever our focus and our vision is you, there is oneness. Oneness that comes. And Paul says... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. And I pray that for us as a body today, that, Father, that only comes when we empty ourselves, when there's nothing left of us, but when we walk not in the flesh but in the Spirit, when we join together in the Spirit, there is a oneness. There is a oneness that automatically flows because our vision is you. And I pray for such a joy and excitement, but courage for us to be able to lose ourselves, to gain you. Father, we know that the time is short. We know, Lord God, that things are happening. We know, Lord God, that you're calling us out and calling us into you. And I pray that, Lord God, there'd be such an awakeness as um, Ingrid's already prayed and prophesied today, that there would be an awakening that would take place in our spirit, man, that our eyes would be open to the truth and that we would see you. Father, may it be a year that we've never experienced before as we draw together as one body. Thank you, Father. You know, uh, it says that before two people can walk together, um, they must first agree the direction in which they would travel. And I've used that scripture a lot in my life about, about how we reach agreement. But the Lord's been just talking to me while we've been praying about saying, what, what's the direction of travel? Um, because we've set a vision out and that's great. We can say, yep, that's the direction of travel. But each of us would have heard a different thing and each of us would agree almost with a different part of that. And I believe the Lord would, would say to us, um, 
to turn our eyes to him. That the direction of travel is to him. That, that what we agree today on is actually about falling more in love with him. Letting him define us more. Being more set apart to him. Having a greater hunger and a desire for him. For him to, um, to overwhelm us. You know, it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know, we can see the things that separate us, that divide us, where we have points of difference, or we can turn our eyes upon Jesus. Let him define us and let him actually shape the direction of travel that we're going to go in. Um, Let's be really um, intent. I wasn't going to use that word. Let's be really (laughs) planned and measured this year about allowing the Christ to define us and actually about allowing him to draw us closer and to help us to fall more and more and more in love with him. Lord, will you do this for us? Will you help us, Lord, to, to be more yours? Father, will you help us to exchange and to give up on all those things that we hold as precious and that we've worked hard, Lord, to define in ourselves and to know about you. Would you help us to give those things up, Lord, that we might gain you, that we might gain a greater perspective of you, no matter how noble, no matter how righteous, no matter how clear the vision that we have of you right now, Father, we want more of you. We thank you for that gift that it's been to bring us to this point, Lord. But it's not what you're calling us to tomorrow. It's not who you want to define us as tomorrow, Lord. So, Father, we give you full permission to move in our lives, to disassemble the parts of us, Lord, that need to be disassembled. We surrender, Lord, our life for you. We ask, Lord, that we decrease, that you might increase. And we ask this because of the surpassing glory of knowing you, Lord. The surpassing glory over anything that we might have, Lord, of knowing you, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to come and invade us, Lord. To come and saturate us, Lord, with your presence. To come and clothe us in you, Lord, that we might know you that we might know you, Lord, as a body, that we might know you individually, Lord. We cast ourselves on you, Lord, and we pray, we call out this morning, Lord, for more and more and more of you, a greater intimacy with you, Lord, a greater intimacy with you, Lord, 